0: year was a year. And it ended with an exclamation point. And so my wife and I, we were talking, well, if we're going through keys, there must be a door coming. (laughs) (laughs) And so on January 1st, I was deep in sleep. And I was in between my REM cycle. Now, I wouldn't have known this because you dream in REM and you just don't do anything when you're not. But somewhere about 3, 4 in the morning, I felt the scripture come in. And wrap itself around me and I found myself being drawn into consciousness out of blackness. By a scripture. And it just held on to me and as it brought me awake. I started to pray about this scripture and it just started to stir on me. This is what I'm having this year. And so... I want to share this because I don't believe it's just for me, but I do believe it's a word that's coming through the open door, the first of many. And so, if we could please stand for the reading of the word, and we will turn our attention to a very common scripture in Psalm 23, verse 5. And the Holy Scripture states, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So I want to talk to you this morning about he's prepared it. Amen. Lord, we thank you. God, I ask that you would have your way. That you would anoint the words. I know these aren't mine. That everything be unto your glory. And Lord, let this seed find good soil and take root and grow and be fruitful in the lives of the believers. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I love David. David is one of my favorite people in the Bible outside of Jesus I love a man that can go through what he goes through and somehow always seem to lift his chin back up David did not have an easy life David did not have an easy walk David started in rejection You're the lowest of your family, not even really acknowledged by your father. He thinks that you're illegitimate and he gives you the worst job there is, the shepherd. It's the lowest servant on the totem pole. And he's just out in that field. In rejection. Watching sheep of a father that doesn't even really acknowledge him. That's a hard place to be. How many people in just that place are crippled by parental rejection? How many adults? People, oh, time heals all wounds. That's a lie. That's a lie. We do need time to heal. But time isn't the thing that does the healing of the deepest wounds. Jesus Is what we need at all times. But this psalm, I've read it many times. I know many people have read Psalm 23 many times. I always find it fascinating. And as I was studying it, I started to wonder if the very first verse he tries to expound why he makes such a declaration. It starts with the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Why? Well, because he makes me to lie down. There are times that God's going to force you to lie down. We think that just go, go, go is the way to be. and Sometimes God has to force rest. And if we're so stubborn, he might use sickness to slow us down. But he makes me lie down. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And here's where I believe I make a mistake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You're with me. But I always read those two verses as if the path of righteousness is somehow separated from the valley. Why are they not one and the same? And what I mean by this is, if you look at the places you've had to walk through, since 2020, they have been challenging. They have been stressful. Every spiritual leader declared, God in 2020, 2020 wasn't a new year, it was a new decade. And it shifted into something completely different. And oh boy, did it. We started off with COVID. And it just seemed to plunge everything into chaos. And it hasn't stopped. But I look at this valley and I find myself in my valleys, wanting out of my valley rather than the revelation the valley is going to bring me. Because the seals. I've always had respect for the Navy Seals when I had to work with them. But these gentlemen have a great saying. We're not here to make warriors. We're here to find them. They don't care if you make it. They don't need you. They don't need me. But In Marine Infantry, Infantry doesn't want to be around non-infantry. Because I know you're not trained at the capacity of dealing with this situation, so I can't trust putting my life in your hands. But then you get the Rangers. They don't want to be around infantry. Because they went through something a little harder. The running joke is, is that the infantry will throw on 85 pounds of gear, walk 20 miles with food and ammo, find you and deal with you. Rangers don't need the food and they run. (laughs) That's the joke. Tell any former ranger that and you'll make them smile. They don't care if you're infantry. You need to show them a tab. The Navy SEALs, if you don't have a trident, they're not putting their life in your hands. Why? Because the worse the training, the more they've learned to trust one another. The worse the situation, it builds a bond The military calls it trauma bonding. But you have proven that you won't quit. The people who make it through selection are the ones who will not abandon the man next to them. They're not the toughest, they're not the most motivated. But with every person that goes and rings that bell, that boat that they have to carry gets a little heavier. And eventually, the ones that are left are the ones that are looking each other in the eye and say, I will not leave you. And we wonder why God walks us through certain valleys. Because we declare we trust him. But boy, don't our speech change once that storm hits. Boy, all of a sudden, hey, what are you doing? Hey, where are you taking me? Hey, are you noticing what's going on? Hey, are you paying attention? Hey, are you listening? Maybe it's just me. That's all right. I don't need confirmation from you. I preach to me. But I notice a God that when He manifested Himself in flesh, took sin to the cross and raised up out of the grave, He wasn't just content with that. He gave me the Holy Spirit. He gave you the Holy Spirit so that everything you walk in, He walks with you. Everything you've been through All these years, He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. He may not have answered the way that I thought it should have been answered. I may have got this preconceived notion of what this meant. But I have a God that was preparing something. And what I find amazing is I will separate... The paths of righteousness for His namesake from a valley of the shadow of death. But I notice that it's for His namesake. He gave a promise that wherever your foot lands, I'm giving it to you. All right, all right. And why do you think that He would walk the church into places that the enemy think it's, it can still claim? Oh, wow. Amen. This is a year of open doors the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. In a year of open doors, you should not let the enemy tell you what's closed. He doesn't get to dictate anything to us. And I've made the mistake of believing that every storm is caused by an enemy. Does scripture not state? That I have a God that when he is angry because he sees how his children are being treated, gets off of his throne and fire comes before his face and there's coal and there's lightning and there's storms. What if the storm you're walking in is because God's tired of what you're dealing with? What if the storm you're walking in is not because of you, but because of what you're bringing to enemy's gates? Really? Really? We have a God that gets tired, and yet we are asking Him, Hey, please stop the storm when God's trying to let you know you prayed for this. I'm coming to destroy the stronghold that's tormenting your family. I need you to trust me. Because before He showed up at that demoniac, they had to face a storm to get there. And if they thought they were shaking, what do you think those demons were doing? Because they all know we didn't cause this. And what do you think happened when it went completely flat? No. (laughs) The demons, they talk a big game. They talk a big game. But I've noticed Only the worst kind of coward goes after the kid because he won't face dad. And I'm going to give him any type of respect. Are you kidding me? You lost. And now you're trying to convince me to be a loser with you. I don't think so. Because Psalm 25, 12 says, What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Let me teach you. Let me teach you, God says. Let me teach you. But then all of a sudden, I realize when God invites, He does not say walk with me. He says follow me. This is not a democracy. And Americans need to get that through our heads. We don't get a vote. We have a king in this kingdom. And you can't ask for a better one. Perfect in all things. Merciful, beyond merciful. All of this. Gracious, peaceful, the prince of peace. But then I throw up my ideas as if they have merit. Guys, if I could just get to the place, Lord, I trust you. I might get through the trials faster. Because I know that the trials are trying to teach me something. I'm on this path to teach me. But I know that David had to go through some setbacks. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine defeating Goliath to that only to trigger jealousy? You wouldn't really expect that, would you? And we act like that still, well, that only happened to David. Get a spiritual victory. That makes somebody else feel insignificant. And watch how fast. Watch how fast a saw comes out. When I watch ministry and Christians fight over who gets what. You're really showing me how little you think of this kingdom. How little you think of this kingdom. That he measures the entire universe by the breadth of his hand. And if he uses the physical to represent the spiritual, there is a temple in heaven. Why don't you measure that by his measurement as to how big that is? How many universes do you think fit in that thing? This is God we're talking about. And we're, we're, we're what? Fighting with each other? Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because Saul was at the request of men. We want a king. We want a king that will serve us. Because I don't want to have to serve you. Everything they listed is what the king could do for them, not what they would do for the king. God gave a list of rules. This is what it is to be a part of my kingdom. And the truth is, is that the law reveals our sin because we struggle to uphold it. In perfection, you would not struggle to keep His law. And I'm not talking perfection here. Do you honestly think that when we are glorified when we are changed in a twinkling of an eye that you're going to spend the rest of eternity fighting your sin? No. No, we're going to get into a liberty of worship we have never known. But, but, you can get so preoccupied With what men are crowning each other with. That you become blinded to what God's trying to seat you at. Because Saul got a crown, but God gave David a throne. You need to realize the titles that men give each other don't really matter. But the seat that God's opening up for us, that matters. And this year is an open door. This year is important. Because when Malachi talks about bring in my tithes, he says, test me. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't contain. But hear me. This year isn't about God opening a window. This year is about God opening a door. You have to understand, he opens a window when he wants to pour out a blessing. He opens a door when he wishes to usher something in. A window is so he can pour out to here. An open door is so that we can go somewhere we haven't had access to. Now, I know that when I start preaching like this, it's easy for me if I don't check myself. I've heard this before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, guys, you know how hard it is sometimes to sit here and sing the song standing on the promises of God? I'm just being honest. When I haven't seen not one of them manifest? Whew. (laughs) Standing. Faith. (laughs) Faith. And if you don't think that that's not a fight. This faith is a fight. But here's the problem. Is that when God prepares something... He releases it when it's time to be released. At its most effective. He's letting you know, David, what you're going to do. I'm letting you know where you're called to go. I just didn't tell you the process I'm going to have to take you through to get you there. Because most of us would opt out. If God told you what you would have to do, Most of us would say, no, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. No, that's cool. We all want to say, well, send me, here am I. And then we're like, where are you sending me? (laughs) I thought you wrote the blank check. Does it matter? Well, you know. Because I don't trust God to prepare something for me. What I find fascinating about this table is that while I read it, I can mentally separate it from the valley. He prepared a table. Why do I think I have to get out of the valley to get there? Rather than go into the valley to arrive at it. Is it not a door of hope in the Valley of Acor? Valley of Acor means trouble. And I remember talking to God about that scripture years ago. I said, hey, is there a shortcut? And all of a sudden, I had this belt of truth moment. Of what does the scripture say? Well, the door of hope in the valley of Achor, and then it just checked me. Who do I think I am to tell him where he places his doors? Oh, I, I'd like to get to that door of hope. Is there a different place I can walk to get there? I start to, without realizing it, questioning his sovereignty. And that's when I start relying on what I prepare for myself rather than what he's preparing for me. But you know, when God orders your steps, he sees everything that you'll go through. When David hit Ziklag, David was ready to finally kill Saul. You know, you never read of Saul attacking the Philistines and invading their country until David was there. I don't think they're unrelated. And if I was David, I'd be like, are you, are you, are you kidding me right now? Really? You drive me out of the promised land? You, you just absolutely won't stop persecuting me? I finally throw my hands up? I'm enough? I get out of the land that is supposed to be a promise and I'm living in the land of my enemies and you still show up at my doorstep? Enough. You want it, come get it. You weren't big and bad enough to take on Goliath. Well, you're about ready to face Goliath's slayer. I believe that's why the Lord, he's like, nah, David, you can't do this. He didn't give him favor with the enemy anymore. Hey, send him home. There'll be no inheritance left if I let David take this battlefield. He'll stack them up. And church, sometimes your greatest prayer warriors need to be sat down to save the inheritance from them because they've gotten to a place where it's enough. Enough. I'll kill them all enough and that becomes the moment all right go home and sit and while he goes home you know what he returns to ashes isn't that nice you ever start a walk where the hits just keep on coming and you're like my goodness you're, you're not even I don't even want to ask what's next. But here's the problem with this, is the mighty men wept. Men who never complained in the wilderness are now weeping, talk about, let's kill David. Because there are trials where even the mighty will be broken. There are trials that not even you are strong enough to withstand. This is where we need grace. This is where you need the king's provision. This is where the mighty men are being shown. You don't get restoration if you stop following the anointed one. There are people who believe that they can have a walk all by themselves and wonder why they can't get anything back. Because you're not willing to follow a David. I know you're mighty. David raised up mighty men. Killers of giants. David was so thorough in his giant killing that his son never faced a single giant. But his son faced what David couldn't defeat. Because David lost to lust. And all of a sudden... Here come 1,000 women. Good luck, Solomon. Because the things that I can't defeat, my kids are going to have to fight. And if it's a struggle for you, do you really want to pass that on? Do you want to sit there and defeat and be like, good luck, son. Didn't work out well for me. Hope for better. But the beauty of our God is that in Psalm 37 23 and 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in the way. You know, Elijah went up to Mount Carmel and he prepared an altar, and he prepared a sacrifice. And God prepared a response. But so did the enemy. The enemy didn't answer by fire, it answered by a letter. It answered by a messenger. And that word went right into his heart and he lost hope. He found a juniper tree. It's better that I die. Like we can't even defeat this woman when God answers by fire. You ever pray against something and have God move only for that thing to raise up on you? Just for you to get so discouraged, you're like, what's the point? I pray it doesn't work. I fast it doesn't work. I come to church it doesn't work. You keep preaching me about victory while this thing's stomping my brains out. I'll just lay down here and die. But God wasn't willing to give up on him. No, 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 no. Here, send an angel. Tell him, raise up, eat, and drink. Get ready for this journey. And so he gets to this journey and he walks and he gets to the mountain and he goes right into a cave. He doesn't go to prayer. He doesn't build an altar. He's not seeking what God's will is. He just, I'm here. You know how dangerous that is to treat church that way? I'm here. (laughs) Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And so God says, what are you doing here? And this isn't a question that God would ever ask person in church, what are you doing in my house? It's more, what'd you expect to see? What'd you come to see? What, you want to come see a preacher? You want to see a reed shaken by the wind? Or do you come hoping that this God that we preach, this God we believe in, is real and can move and hears our petition and moves on our behalf? Okay. Okay. Because church... The world isn't acting as always it has. It has gotten worse. So let me tell you church as usual is not working. It's not working. But, but, this year we have an open door. And God doesn't open things that you used to walk in, He opens things that were once closed. And now it's time for you to enter in. If you'll recall, Brother Lamas, just a few short years ago, pointed at that door. And during the 24-hour prayer session with him and I, he came over and he said, Hey, God just showed me that door and it opened. And he said, You know what was inside? God's glory. And God said, Come on in. And he said, I started to walk. And he said, I went until I couldn't go anymore. And he said, that's enough, enough. And he said, the door shut. And the Lord said, 10 levels, huh? He said, I have infinite more. And that always astounded me. Hey, how could you get wearied by God's glory? No, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting him. It's just enough. But I started to realize when you walk in a place where God's revealing his glory, you're in a place where you get none. You're in a place where your strength is no longer sufficient. Your endurance is failing you. Your wisdom is coming up empty because God is taking you into the place where he shows you his glory. I did this, not you. I sustained you, not you. I provide for you, not you. And you know how wearisome that can be when you want to be self-reliant? We really want to ask God, prepare something for me, but do it in the way that I like. Do it in the manner which I say. And please make it snappy. I mean, you might not talk like that. But I have found myself talking to an eternal God why time is such a problem. Like you could do it right now. You could do it right now. But... When Elijah was in that cave, God called him out. And then all of a sudden, he saw a mountain have an altar consumed with fire. But now God was willing to destroy a mountain to shake him out of his despair. Let me show you how much I got you. I'm going to start tearing this mountain apart all around you. You thought that was impressive, what I did with an altar? Let me show you how I can keep you. And why did he take him through that? Because he was taking him to the still small voice dimension. This is That still small voice means silence. Don't you realize that Americans today can't stand to be in silence and we wonder why God doesn't talk to us? But we don't want to go through the fire and the wind and the earthquakes to get to a place that he has my attention. Hey, I I sat there five minutes quiet before I said amen and got out. He could have talked to me then. But he reset Elijah. Why? Because in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Now watch 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. When God orders your path, he also has provision for your failures. He's taken them into account. This idea that if you fall, God's done with you. He's not. He's just now trying to lift you up. We have a God that has prepared all things, all things for this church. And yet, if we start preaching promises, the years have been so harsh that we'll start getting eye rolls. Well, and you'll sit here, oh, I'm walking in faith. And your response will be if I told you a promise, we'll see. I thought it was walk by faith or sight. We'll see, huh? Well, which walk is that? I caught myself saying it. I've caught myself saying it and get that unction. That Holy Ghost tap. Is that a walk of faith? (laughs) No. Well, where's your faith? I don't see it. (laughs) Hey, but church, we have open door this year. And that open door, I believe, is in so many ways to lead to what God has prepared. I know we love to preach about Joseph. I love Joseph. I am astounded by Joseph. I'm astounded by him so much that I think Scripture doesn't really cover everything Joseph was dealing with, and he somehow came through immaculate. I know if it would have been the story of Mitchell, um, you know, it would have been a little different. If I would have been in prison, I'd be like. Didn't see this coming. <laughs> I mean, it just kept getting worse. Oh, I got a dream. They hate you for it. Hate you for it. That's nice. That's nice. It's wonderful to get something from God, cast it to people, and only have them hate you because you got it. That's, that's, that's so fun. <laughs> oh, you think you're special? No. No. I didn't know I should ask for this. It was just shown to me. Oh, you think you see? I really hope so. (laughs) But Joseph goes from slavery to imprisonment. I don't know how you can find a way to make it worse, but he did. And he did it through being righteous. And yet he missed the beauty of this because he was sent to the king's prison. You're no longer under the power of Potiphar. This is the king's personal prison. You're now under the hand of the king. And when the king wants to raise you up, he's going to. Because now you are positioned. Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Whether I abound or whether I be abased, it doesn't matter. Now, I'm not standing up here preaching I have that kind of faith. I'm preaching, I'm trying to move towards it. Because you better believe the world is moving towards, they're about ready to abase us. The tolerance for this faith is becoming less and less. Because it's telling the world what it doesn't want to hear. Which is you're not right and you need Jesus. My sin, my pride doesn't want to hear that. I don't sit with the things God has killed in me and judge you because you struggle with something different. That's nonsense. But I'm telling you that the God who fought for me is willing to fight for you. The God that was willing to deliver me is willing to deliver you. And this thing that I find so amazing is when he prepared the table for David, he prepared it amidst the enemy. Because church, you want to reach Egypt, then let them taste and see what he's put on the table. It's the fastest way to show that God's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Joseph was sent because a famine would hit. Now, I know that the types and shadows of Joseph abound with Christ. But how about this famine? You don't ever really hear that preached. That there's seven years coming that will ravish the land completely. Does that sound familiar? Now, I don't care if you're post-trib, pre-trib, mid-trib. There are seven years coming to this earth that are unlike anything the earth has ever seen. And if you haven't studied up on your history, that should worry us. Because we have definitely set a high bar. Of what horrific things we can go through. And God said, Nah, you haven't even scratched the surface of these years. Now, me, I would love to be pre trib. I don't want to be here. I'm out. (laughs) But as much as I want to be pre trib, I better be prepared to be post trib. Because those that think that they won't see one day of it might not make it if they have to endure all of it. And if we think that God hasn't made provision for us to get through anything He takes the church through, we're mistaken. But here's what amazed me is he gave the Pharaoh a dream. Nobody could interpret it. Go get Joseph. And so he tells them, hey, there's seven years. The famine's going to be so bad that you won't even remember the seven years of great abundance. Abundance like you've never seen. Followed by seven years of famine so horrific You won't even bring it into remembrance that you once weren't hungry. And so then he advises him, hey, why don't you set aside 20% of this seven to get through this seven years of famine? Now, why is that important? As I was praying, and by all means, take this to prayer. Something began to stir on me with this. Is that during all this time leading up to this seven years, a portion of everything that was ever being grown was being set aside just for this seven years? I believe that's a type of shadow of what the end time church is about ready to access. That everything that was poured out in the book of Acts and on, a portion was set aside and set aside and set aside in the kingdom of heaven for what the end time church is going to need. Mm -hmm. To where it says he gathered the corn and he just quit counting because 20% became innumerable. You know where the next place you find innumerable is? Is when God describes his angels. The innumerable heavenly host. You want to talk about an open door. As to what heaven's about ready to do. We're talking about innumerable. And this famine. Was to cause everybody. In Egypt. To sell themselves to the king. I want you to think about this. This famine was there so people placed themselves under the hand of the king of Egypt. And when they did that, they sold both themselves and their land. They had sold their cattle. They had sold everything they had. And now the only thing that's left is my house and me. And so they had to sell them together because if you sold your house, you had to get kicked out of it because you weren't the servant. And when this occurred, you know what happens next? They don't get bread. Instead, all of a sudden, seed from the king is handed out. In famine. And it is said... With this seed, you now just give 20% of everything that grows. Are you kidding me? We're in famine. But we're talking about Joseph here. Why don't you look at Isaac? When Isaac, it says, there was famine. And then he sowed and he reaped a hundredfold. See, I've noticed a mistake with Christians is that we often ask for blessing and miss the conditions in which it's released. Oh, I'd like a hundredfold blessing. Would you? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because hundredfold blessing is reaped in famine. But I believe that's what we're seeing. Since 2020 has come, everybody keeps coming. God says, God says it's harvest time. 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 And yet, you keep looking around, you're like, what harvest? Why? Because the condition is set for hundredfold blessing. The famine is striking. The church The church, even Israel, told his brethren, told his sons, Israel told his sons, grab some fruit, grab some honey, bring it down, show it to them. Do you understand that in famine, it's not an absolute lack of food. It's not enough food to sustain life. We can get into a place with spiritual famine where spiritual fruit is so sparse, nobody can survive. I'm starving here. And I go home and I open the Bible. I need some bread somewhere. Somewhere. I need something. I need something to sustain me. I need something. I need something. I am starving. And God keeps saying it's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. But church, we're about ready to see a harvest innumerable proportion a harvest so great that everything we have been praying for is about ready to be open and I have to have the faith to walk through it brother Mike said he sets before us an open door he doesn't carry you through it last year last year we had three different preachers Great preachers, Jason Sisko, Jack Cunningham, and uh, the name escapes me right now. I can see the face. Flo Shaw, all of them got the same message within the same three days of the 10 virgins that they hear the bridegroom say, Come on out. And so they grab their lamps. And the wise brought oil. Five wise, five foolish. And they started saying, look, it is time to gather your oil. It's time to gather your oil. It's time to gather your oil. These three were preaching it till they're red in the face. It's time to get your oil. It's time to get your oil. He's going to call you to an open door. And here's what shocks me. He said, they're going to sit there and they're not going to make it because they thought they were ready. And they look at those with oil and they say, give me some. Do you know how shocking that is? Because they don't say, hey, let me walk with you. Hey, can I walk in your light? Mine went out. Can can we shoulder up? Can I just make it to the end? No, 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 no. Give me what you have. I don't don't want to be submitted under you. I don't want to have to shoulder up with you. I don't want to have to listen to you and follow you. Give me and I'll make it there myself. And yet, here we are in a year of the open door that I'm telling you the open door is going to come. And the open door is coming for the fivefold. The open door is coming for this church because we have already been told, the fivefold's here. Well, where is it? The door hasn't opened for the fivefold to step through yet. But here we are. I believe the prophetic is going to come into this place like never before. Because we need it. We need it desperately. And God has prepared this season. I didn't understand. When I first got here, pastor walked right over. He walked right over to me. This is the only time he's prayed for me since I've been here. And I'm not saying that like with any, any detriment. And if he watches, I don't want him to feel convicted. Because this has resonated with me. And the fact that this is the only word he's ever given me, it has become utterly important. Which tells me the word hasn't changed. He came right over and he said, you have been sent here to heal. And if you don't heal, God can't use you. Not because he's judging you, but because what you're afflicted with will spill over to others. He will have to protect them from you. And I walked and i wept right here. I wept at that word. Because I knew I needed to heal. And I wept. And I'm I'm sitting here, God, what do I do? What do I do? And this is the first year I'm here. All of a sudden I get a word. I'm like, why am I here? I first came here and you told me no. I don't want you at Sterling. Go to Soldotna and help them open that church. And I'm like, now you're taking me to a place that you don't want me to be at? That doesn't make sense. But here I am. And then all of a sudden this great encouraging word comes. You're in the tomb. Oh, that's awesome. Well, let me run the aisles and leap for joy. Like, Lord, I'm sitting here just crying, crying to Brother Lamas. Hey, what are we doing? This is what he just said. And now the Lord impressed on me: the tomb is where the angelic are released. The tomb is where the ministry for what happened on the cross. So the first year was the tomb. The second year I'm here, the pastor declares, this is a year of keys. And Jesus said, I have the keys to hell, death, and the grave. And he didn't get those until he went into the tomb. And now, when he got those keys, the only thing he was waiting for was that stone to roll away. And this... Church is the year of the open door. It started with a tomb. It went to the keys. And now I'm telling you, resurrection power is about ready to open up. I am telling you, resurrection power is about ready to open up. But an open door is not a one-way street. For God... To have his power, it says that Hezekiah had to make sure that the temple doors were opened. And I have noticed this year as I have tried to hold on to hope, that some of the trials have made hope become painful. That if you come and you tell me another promise, I don't even really want to hear it. Because I can't suffer another disappointment. I can't suffer another letdown. I've opened my heart up, opened my heart up, and they said this, and it doesn't. They said this, and it doesn't. They said this, and it doesn't. Until the point that I've just closed the temple off. And we'll see. But church... In this open door, God's about ready to open wombs, both spiritually and physically. And he's about ready to birth. Jesus says, I am the door. And this is a year that he's opening himself up for an intimacy you have never known. That's what awaits us. That's what these years have been bringing us to. And I have paid extraordinary prices spiritually to get here. And I know you have too. I don't stand up here talking to people who don't have their own horrific valley. But I'm telling you the reason we went in this valley is because he's bringing us to the table he's prepared this is what he's opening up. Everything you have ever prayed. God, I want to walk with you like this. God, I want to know you like this. I want, I, when I'm in my prayer room, I want this. And all of a sudden these promises are coming. And until you're just like, why am I even going in my prayer room? It's, it's not ever manifesting. And yet now it's time. That if we could just shake it off. Please rally together for one more push of faith because these trials bought us some oil. You got the oil of gladness because of the sorrow you went through, they purchased us some oil. Because I have shed many tears over these past years. And now that I've paid with my tears, I'm not going to let hell dissuade me from walking through what it purchased us. We have keys. And so church, I tell you to tell you this. that all of a sudden there's a table and there is an open door. But but there is a caution that I must give because when I woke up, there was another part to this. That in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter, let's see, 30, I don't know why it's not on my iPad. 31, chapter 20, or chapter, chapter 31, verse 20. God says, for when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers. I need you to notice this. He's not bringing you into what he's promised you. He's bringing you into what he's promised, those that went before you. When I bring them into the land that is promised to their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. When my heart isn't after him, one of the worst things that can happen to me is to get everything that's been promised. It's at the table that becomes the most dangerous because it was at the table that Judas finally lit Satan into his heart. And that word, wax and fat, that's found in Psalm 23 5. He anoints. When they have been anointed, that is when they will go away. That's when they will serve other gods. There is a prophesied great revival, and there is a prophesied great falling away. But, church, we have a God that has prepared this for us. And He loves you. And He trusts you. And He has trusted you through these trials to get here. Everything we have ever wanted is right here. We are about ready to see what every church has only dreamt of seeing, has only hoped to witness but it's always been like that because first Corinthians 2 9 the final word was but as it is written I hath not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him and church I am telling you in this year of open door he has something prepared he has prepared a table for us if we could please stand I sat here at the end of this year, more broken and angry than I have been in a long time, and simultaneously thankful for all sorts of emotions and turmoil. And I ask God, what am I supposed to be learning? Because at this point, it seems almost cruel. That when I hear, oh, there's new battles ahead, I am flinching because I have hit my line. I have come to this house at night crying to God like you can't. You can't take me any further. I got, I got no more. This is as far as I go. I, I need you right now. I need you. I, I don't consent. But I have a God that was trying to show me how much He cares, how much He protects How much he surrounds. We get an unction for a home. Put in a bid. Put in this. It's low. Get it in prayer. Her father gets it in prayer. The exact same number. We haven't even consulted. Okay, we bid. It offends the homeowner so much that they're done. They're done. We're done with negotiations. They won't even entertain it. I'm like, Lord, What are you trying to teach me? I'm like, am I am I a part of a joke? I don't even understand. And then all of a sudden, the year switched. I was so stressed, I was getting ulcers again, and I'm trying to pray my way through. I'm getting peace, but I can't hold it. I'm getting peace, but I can't hold it. I'm having to pray through, pray through, pray through. And the year switched and he came up here. I knew it was going to be an open door because I just felt it. And all of a sudden, inside of our residence, more angelic activity started happening than I've ever seen. I'm walking around my house crying to God, what are you trying to teach me? And out of the corner of my eye, I see my wife standing in the hallway. And I look and it's gone. And I knew it was her angel because I felt it come right behind me. I was here weeping, praying. I had my eyes closed and all of a sudden I felt Mike sit right beside me. I'm like, that's weird. I didn't even hear him come in. I opened my eyes and he's not there. But I knew he was covering me in prayer right in that moment. And his angel showed up. And him and I, we sat here together. And his angel comforted me. And Mike don't even know it. I don't even know if he knows it. If he does, he didn't let me know. I didn't let him know. But the things that are open and the things that are moving right now are so tremendous. But church... We have to be open to receive it because he finally gives the last letter to Laodicea and he tells them, you think you're this, but you're not. You think you're this, but you're not. You think you're this, but you're not. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Because he's letting them know, you think I'm in it, but you have put me outside and you won't open the door for me. And church, if I'm being honest, there are aspects of my prayer life that are exactly like that. And this last year has confronted them with such viciousness that there he was knocking There he was knocking. There he was knocking. Because church, it's a year of an open door. And he starts by saying, will you open? If you do, I do. If I'm willing to open, there is no telling the doors he's willing to open. So I'm preaching today to those that have been going through it. I'm preaching today to those that have had some closed doors to hope. That have shut themselves off. Well, I guess this promise is never going to come. And have just had to make themselves feel rich with not getting. And make themselves feel satisfied with this. While I'm shut in and becoming bitter. But church there is healing for that there is restoration of the soul for that that is on the table but he can't do anything against our will and against our per- our permission if you want a year of the open door you have to be the first one to open it but he says if you will open that door I will come in and I will sup with you and you with me. There's a table, church. And if you want it, if you recognize that you have just been desperately waiting for heaven to open up, I invite you to the altar. I invite you To open up your heart, to open up your spirit, and to open up your voice unto the Lord.